All right, welcome back to Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network, a daily live NHL show Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. You can find us on YouTube as Edgework Show. You can find us on Twitter at Edgework Show, and you can track all the picks that we give out in real time and after the fact on the BetStamp app in the Find Better section as Edgework. 29.3 units were up so far in the year. Uh, 195, 209, and 5 records. So, I mean, it just goes to show it's it's about the ROI, 6.4% ROI so far in the year. So, hopefully we can keep that going today. But before we get into any of the games, uh, the Winnipeg Jets here, they find themselves in the top spot in the Central or tied for the top spot in the Central with Dallas. They're tied in points. They are ahead in win percentage as they have one game in hand on the Dallas Stars. This has been a team that so far this year, we've looked at them for essentially two specific markets, whether Connor Hellebuck could win the Vesna or Rick Bonus could potentially win the Jack Adams Coach of the Year as the Coach of the Year has been a big award that we've discussed on this show. It's one of our favorites here, but... <laughs> this Winnipeg Jets team, it's interesting to watch them night in, night out. I didn't have high expectations of them ahead of the season. Obviously, Connor Hellebuck had a down year last year. It was going to be kind of dependent on where he got things to here. But for him so far this season, it's been very good. I, I just kind of curious watching this team and then now seeing them get to the first seed in the Central. Is this Winnipeg a team like this Winnipeg Jets a t- team, a team that we actually have to watch out for? down the stretch of the season into the playoffs like Alex is is the Jets a legit contender this year I don't think so I definitely don't think so um never mind the fact that it's like kind of a gauntlet to get out of that central division like if they're playing the stars or the wild in the first round that's like a I mean obviously price dependent but seeing where the market kind of has settled on Winnipeg I think that that's like a pretty easy series bet on Dallas or uh, or Minnesota for me like this, just there's nothing about their underlying numbers that suggests this team is actually that good. Um, you know, credit to them getting rid of the Maurice stink. It took a long time for that to happen, but I love I love Rick Bonus. I love what he's done. I'm happy that he you know he got this chance and that you know he's doing well with it. But like if you look at their underlying numbers, they're middle of the pack and expected goal share in the season. Um, middle of the pack and you know expected goals for, expected goals against, high danger chances, high danger, danger chances against. Their PDO is a little bit high. They're fourth in the league there, so maybe a bit of regression. Obviously, like some of that has to do with the fact that they have hella buck. But like again, you go into the playoffs, like their biggest edge in a lot of these games is the fact that they have hella buck. And you look at the central path and like, you know, you face a team like the stars and that is completely mitigated the goaltending advantage. Right. So like, I just think that, I just don't think that this team is like truly a contender. Um, It'll be great to see them make the playoffs. Like that, that barn is absolutely rocking when they're in the playoffs and they do the whiteouts and stuff. Like it's fun to see the jets be a good team, but even like depth wise, it was just look at the roster top to bottom. Like they don't have the depth necessarily to the depth up front to compete. Uh, Morrissey's having a great season, but like defensively, they leave a little bit to be desired. So yeah, for me, I, I just don't think this is a fully legit contender. Um, I, I'd much rather, you know, back a team like uh, at a bit of a shorter price, but like a team like the Flames that, you know, if they can just get something more out of Markstrom that like they should be getting, you know, a team with much stronger underlying numbers, a little bit of an easier path in the Pacific if they can uh, find their way in. So yeah, for me, uh, this is this is a pass on the Jets. Best bet of the day, uh, Alex throwing shade at Paul Maurice within uh, 15 <laughs> seconds of the show. You guys can go ahead. And always, play. always. Uh, cash that. I, I mean, just look at the West. Like, okay, they're, yeah, they're up, you know, up, now they're up top in the West. Like, okay, let's wait a couple days because, you know, you mentioned, you know, are they contenders? 
I would say yes, only because there's like 15 contenders, it seems like, certainly in the league. But in the West, you look at these, you know, you mentioned Calgary, right? And that's a very legitimate sort of point there. But they're like hanging on to the final wild card yeah. right now. So to me, there's like eight contenders. We're going to end up doubling that unit uh, total that Zach mentioned when Dave Axtell wins coach of the year. For <laughs> um, so you have to throw them into the mix along with obviously stars wild, you know, golden Knights, everybody got excited through a month of the season and the golden Knights refused to kind of lose a game there. We had them up with the Boston Bruins. Well, that's not looking so great anymore, right? But it doesn't mean they're a bad team necessarily. It just means, you know what? There's a lot of teams here, right? The Kings, obviously, playoff team from last season. We haven't even talked about the Colorado Avalanche or the Edmonton Oilers, right? Stanley Cup right. champion and, you know, Connor McDavid. So, yeah, like, are they a contender in this West? Sure. But could you wake up two weeks from now and they'd end up, you know, in the wild card spot? Like, I could believe that. So, yeah, like, they're a contender, but also so are nine other teams in the West. I, I actually like this Jets team quite a bit. Um, Alex, you were right. Like, their underlying numbers over the course of the season aren't that great and stuff um, with regard to, like, how high they are in the standings. But since they've got Nick Ehlers back, they're 57.5% of the high-danger chances at 5 is 5 um, The Ehlers-Connor Dubois line is absolutely killing it. They have a 63% expected goals percentage at 5 on 5 and they score, like, every two shifts. And then the Wheeler-Shifley-Perfetti line um, has a 56% Corsi this year and a plus 10 goal differential at 5 5 So now that Ehlers is healthy, I think their top six is one of the best in the West. Um, obviously, Connor Hellebuck is also one of the best goalies in the league, and their power play is dangerous. I do worry about their depth. I think they need a pair of third liners uh, at the deadline to give them more depth scoring and not get caved in against like deeper teams like Colorado once they're healthy. But I do, in a kind of a down year for the West, I, c- I could see them like going on a good run to me if all if everyone's healthy i think the only teams better are colorado and um vegas um in terms of like a unanimous decision i think the jets could beat anybody else interesting interesting i do think nick dealers is one of the most underrated players in the nhl yeah he's sick he he but like that's my thing is that like t we see teams that rely on like two lines or like one or two lines and then they go into the playoffs and they kind of just eventually at one point or another catches up to them and they get caved. Right. Like it's, yeah. I'm not, I'm the Zach. I know you're smiling. I'm not talking about <laughs> Toronto. Don't worry. Um, I mean, like maybe like subconsciously I am, but, but realistically like teams like that, they do, they do tend to struggle at one point down the line. Like you need to have that depth scoring and, and you, yeah, you, I mean, to your point, if they do add a, a nice piece for that third line or, you know, some depth scoring, they could be a contender, but I think right now where the roster is, I just can't quite buy in. Yeah, there's. I'm just always hyper aware of the underlying jab at uh, at Toronto. There, I'm just waiting for them in the background. Uh, to I wore come the sweater forward. for you today. <laughs> yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, this Winnipeg team is interesting to me, just how it's developed because it was like the team didn't necessarily change too much since last season. Uh, it was essentially the coaching change that went on, and then you obviously strip Wheeler of the C, and it was more just about how is the morale or the vibe of the team going to change just from like uh, just watching just in general, like the bigger picture of that, how is that going to change? It's, it's adapted. Well, hello bucks bounce back. And so that team's kind of set in the right direction. And regardless of whether or not they're a legitimate Stanley cup contender or some of these teams behind them might catch them. Uh, it is just kind of interesting to watch their progression and how much they've kind of just changed, even just from a new voice in the locker room. And you get to truly see the importance of having 
like a number one goaltender in there who has that off season and how much it affects them. And then how much maybe it, even like Alex, you're talking about some of the underlying numbers, like how much some of that can kind of get masked by a guy who plays out of his mind sure. uh, incredibly. So interesting to follow along, but that West, the playoff picture is a bit of a gong show, but not just the playoff picture we got to look at some of the individual teams who are on the outside of the playoffs right now. And specifically, I'm looking at the Vancouver Canucks right now. And unfortunate for so many, I kind of feel bad for them. But briefly, I want to touch on how this entire Bruce Boudreaux situation has gone down right now. Basically, Rick Tockett has to give in his, uh, his one-month notice to TNT to let them know he's on his way out the door. But it's like Bruce Boudreaux is just sitting there. Not only does he know, yeah, I'm going to be fired. Like he knows who the guy is that's replacing him. And he's just got a coach until he gets to that point where the guy comes in to take it over. And then you've got all these extracurriculars going on in Vancouver. I mean, you're talking about players coming out after the fact saying surgeries weren't handled well. And uh, like just an absolute gong show of of Rutherford in front of the media, the owners having their own sideshow happening behind the scenes. This Vancouver situation has been brutal, but the most recent one, of course, is the Bruce Boudreaux situation. I mean, Alex, what do you make of the way that they've handled this entire thing and just how, even just like aside from that, how this organization has kind of presented itself over the last little while? Uh, the organization's a disaster. Like they, they just have zero respect for anyone. It's, it's brutal. Um, including myself and so many who, uh, <laughs> if you remember many, many moons ago on this show gave out Boudreaux to be the first coach fired. And, uh, he's clearly getting fired. Like that's the thing that pisses me off. He's getting fired. Yeah. There's a lot of money pending on this situation. You guys and are they're just praying. No they're one like gets waiting and they're leaving the door open for someone else to get fired before him, even though it's like an inevitability that he is being fired. So it's like, get your shit together, let him go. Like he's like, bring an interim coach in the meantime. And so you can get talk it over. I don't know. It's upsetting. I don't know. Like Boudreaux has done a lot uh, in this league. I think he deserves better treatment than this, but you can probably say the same thing about everyone in this Canucks organization because uh, man, it's a mess. Like it's well, an absolute mess. And by the way, like we're talking about Rick Tockett as if this is some sort of legendary coach that like we absolutely have to bring in here. Like, I'm looking at the record for our guy, Rick Tockett, and, you know, 125 and 131 with four years of the Arizona Coyotes and a couple of years with the Tampa Bay Lightning before they got good. It's like, yeah, the organization's brutal because they're tripping over themselves for Rick Tockett. Like, this is just headed for another disappointment, right? Like, if, if it was some guy that you had to wait for because you knew it was going to, you know, make a big difference, right? Like I don't see, you know, how, how Joel Quenville, for example, could ever be the coach of the Vancouver Canucks from a sort of political standpoint in that city with all of, you know, sort of the past between those them and well, the Vancouver might be the one team to say, forget it. And uh... <laughs> true. That, I mean, that's a great point because yeah, they, they honestly don't care what anybody thinks. And honestly, most of the time you probably shouldn't care what the fan base thinks. Like I'm actually totally fine with that. But just the idea that it's like, well, oh, let's just embarrass ourselves so Rick Tockett can take over. And like that's going to make everything go away, right? Like this is low level Jeff Saturday type stuff where it's like, <laughs> let's bring a guy, you know, from the booth and like, oh, yeah, 
I like that guy. Like, what are we talking about here? So yeah, yeah. Is this going to go away? This is everything going to change because Rick Tockett is your is the head coach? I don't think so. So it's... yeah, this is an organizational issue. This is an ownership issue, right? This is never has been a Bruce Boudreau issue. It has been sort of you know at the top and the bottom, right? It's been the players and it's been the ownership. And until both of those things sort of change, which they're not going to anytime soon, it's just going to be wreckage out there, and it sucks. Yeah, I think Boudreaux kind of got the short end of the stick because, like, he coached really well last year and he wanted a new deal and they wouldn't give it to him. And I feel like that kind of, like, took away, like, the command he had in the room because, like, people didn't respect him as yeah. much because they felt like they could kind of just walk over him because he's going to be gone anyways. Because the organization didn't respect him. Yeah, and especially now, <laughs> yeah. like, for, like, a month, it's been, like, oh, Boudreaux's getting fired this season. I think it's going to be in February. Like, they're, like, planning when they're going to fire him. <laughs> and I think, like... He's a great coach. I don't care even if he did a good job this year or not. He's a great coach, and he's proven that time and time again, whereas I think management and ownership deserves a lot more of the blame here. Like, the roster sucks. Rutherford contradicts himself every five minutes. Like, yesterday, yeah. he's like, um, we have too many bad contracts. Nobody will touch them. We can't get rid of these. And then, like, two minutes later, he's like, well, with the cap going up, these contracts are, like, I'm not worried about spending on X player spending too much. And you're like, well, if you have guys on the roster who are overpaid right now and you're saying you can't move them anywhere for anything, then why are you saying it's not a big deal if you overpay certain guys? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just all over the map. And I think, like, I don't think Talk is even a good coach, really, but I think getting him in there might help a little bit in terms of he's not going to take shit from his players. Like, the roster might suck, or the team might suck, but, like, if JT Miller wants to throw a tantrum and all that kind of stuff, he's not going to take that. He'll bench whoever. And I think from that respect, it'll be good. But the Canucks honestly just need to tear it down and rebuild, and they just won't do it. And I think this patchwork garbage is going to lead them nowhere. Well, there's always going to be the bump, right? We always get the new coach bump, right? And that's the point. Like, it's not, it's not that they're not going to win, you know, seven out of their next ten games when Rick Tockett takes over. That's very possible. But you're going to be sitting there a year from now being like, all right, is this guy the guy who's going to win? Because, by the way, the whole point of any of this is to win the Stanley Cup. And are you going to be sitting there going like, well, they got the guy behind the bench, Rick Tockett, to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup? Like, no, you're not. And so it'd be one thing if they just hired him sort of in a sort of organic, natural way. But the idea of the, the way they've embarrassed themselves as an organization in order to hire this guy is the thing that is to Alex's point, right? Just another sort of notch on their belt, if you will, for just being an embarrassment. To, they yeah. got an insane bump from Boudreaux last year. Yeah. Right? Like their yeah. record when he took over was unbelievable. Um, and then they just didn't reward that. And now they're in this mess because they created it themselves. Like the only way this ends is Talkett finally gets his clearance. They finally fire Boudreaux. But like three days before that, Dallas Eakins gets fired. And I, I have to take a break from this show and, and from can, life for a little bit. <laughs> and can we talk about Rutherford for a second here? Like another guy who, listen, the streets are littered with guys who were in the right place in the right time, especially of a certain age of a certain era. Right. And, you know, he, you know, won the Stanley cup with the Carolina hurricanes as if that team was sort of like built to win a Stanley cup. Instead, it was just kind of a lucky season. If we're all like really being honest, like nobody thought the Carolina hurricanes that year were going to win the Stanley cup. Cam Ward gets insanely hot. Right. And then we basically never see him again, as far as being like a high level quality goaltender. They should not have beat the Habs in that first round. But and, right, and so that's what I mean. Like you sort of, you know, you flip a couple of coins here and they go out in the first round. And then does he get the job later on with the Pittsburgh penguins who were a team that had a couple of guys who were pretty good already, you know? And like, 
yeah, so he's got this great resume because, as you mentioned, right, like they get by Montreal and sort of find their way into a Stanley Cup final against Edmonton and, you know, obviously win that Stanley Cup. Again, partially because their goaltender got super, super hot. Now, but, you, you know, you build that resume off of your post-playing career and now all of a sudden you get all these extra jobs. Doesn't mean the guy can handle this situation. And he obviously hasn't. Right. And so you bring in some sort of, you know, quote unquote, name brand type of guy who might be sort of past his prime. Like a lot has changed from the 2004 season, if you will, to now when it comes to stylistic hockey, team building, salary cap, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So like it's top to bottom. It's just everybody has to go. Everybody has to go. It needs to be burned right to the ground. And Rick talk, it's not going to save anything. Just yeah. because you brought it up, and I, now I feel the need to discuss this for a brief second, but that 2006 playoffs, Montreal was up 2-0 in the series over Carolina. Um, they won the first game like 6-1 in Carolina. They won the second game in double overtime. Michael Ryder scored. They were up 2-0 in game three to take a 3-0 lead in the series. Saku Koivu gets high stick brutally by Justin Williams. I is just mangled out for the series. They come back and win that game, the Canes, and then they do not lose another game the rest of the series, and uh, they win 4-2, and then they go on and win the Cup. That was our year. That was our year. One of many. Uh, you know. <laughs> One of many. One of many years. <laughs> uh, and uh, for anyone who wants to ask questions in real time, again, you can go over to the YouTube channel. We will see your comments, questions in real time. So seeing some people in the chat already, and I see this one from Jeff McBride just asking, out of the loop, why don't they just fire Bruce and hire Talkit now? That would be because uh, uh, Rick Talkett is on the TNT hockey panel, and I believe he had to give them four weeks four weeks notice that he was leaving, which I also, I don't know if that's just like a specific to his contract or something, but four weeks, I never heard of that. The two but that's also like, like uh, that's also only half of the question too, because that's the why they don't hire Talkett now. Why don't they fire Boudreaux now? There is no answer. Yeah, they can is... easily put an interim coach in yeah, there until Talkett can come in, right? Like there's no reason they can't fire Boudreaux now other than like, hey, stick around and do a job you're not going to be doing in a month. Like, it's just it's garbage it's garbage yeah, yeah uh all right let's get into some of the games today and we'll get to some of our best bets so we'll start with the team that we opened the show with and uh Moretto's beloved Montreal Canadiens the Winnipeg Jets taking on the Habs here today Winnipeg did just get to first in the central as we discussed they're on a three-game win streak right now but they're going up against the Montreal Canadiens the big bad Montreal Canadiens who just like honored PK Subban the other day which uh I don't know what your thoughts are on that Moretto we can touch on that if you want to we're gonna need I a full 30 minute show for that I thought it was a nice, nice tribute to PK Subban there. Uh, but this Habs team right now, they are coming off a two to one win over the Rangers. But as we know, they are in the race for Connor Bedard. And as I continue to get reminded by Moretto every now and then when he sends me the Tankathon simulator where it says fan, uh, Bedard and Fantilli and both Habs logos beside it because of that ridiculous Florida Panthers pick. But um, we got. Uh, <laughs> that I, I just don't even know what to think about in this game here matt there's no there was no la kings bet tonight so we're going with uh we're going with uh some underdogs in in uh on the board tonight yeah it's just a smorgasbord of just terror at this point alex can talk <laughs> more about montreal and winnipeg but uh you know i've got montreal i don't know what your latest is there are we up into the plus 200s 
Sweet fancy Moses, folks. Okay, yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus 200 or better for the home team, Montreal, in this case, like just auto bet city there, right? And you go, okay, well, Winnipeg's playing a lot better, yada, yada, yada. Pretty sure we were against Winnipeg last Tuesday in replace of our usual Kings bet when losing on the road to Detroit. Had a great time that night. Uh, one of their only losses in the last little bit, right? But they, this is the NHL. We just talked about it when it came to sort of a macro perspective. Like, you know, if you don't like the way things are going for some of these kind of middle of the road, like slightly above average teams, which I think Winnipeg is, right? They're not the best team in the West. Just wait like a couple of weeks, right? Because if you go back to before they went, what, eight and three, something along those lines in their last 11 games, there's a three-game losing streak in there, right? And if you had asked Jets fan, Jets better, Jets supporter after those three losses in a row, hey, did you, did you, do you think that the Jets two weeks from now are going to be in first place in the West? They would probably say that seems highly unlikely, right? So you're really just one game away from starting your ne next streak, whether that's sort of a win streak or a losing streak. All that is to say, after a certain stretch here where you've gone, what did I say, 11 and 8 and 3, something along those lines in their last 11, the market's going to start thinking pretty highly of you. They're going to see you at the top of the standings. And I think that's what we've got here, where their rating has gotten a little too high. I would actually make the case a lot too high now that we're in the plus 200 range. This is obviously less about Montreal, and it is more about Winnipeg getting kind of ahead of their skis here. So, yeah, give me Montreal at plus 200 or better. I saw some 220s. That's craziness. Plus 200. Montreal. They're, they're, the, the Habs are a, a fun dog to back at that price because they have the recipe to – like their goaltending is on some nights Montembeau or Allen look like completely unbeatable. And on other nights they look like they're playing with a stick in their ass. Um, but like, that's kind of, that's kind of all you need, right? Like you need that volatility for like, if you get them on their night, like they can beat, you know, they can beat a team like the Jets, no problem. So, you know, when you have like a price like this, that's, you know, it's always worth a look considering, uh, considering what they can get from, uh, from this team in goal and going forward with those, uh, those forwards. Cole Caulfield can't stop scoring, man. I don't know. Austin Matthews is taking a back seat right now. It's really unfortunate. And Alex, he's, you've uh, got... he's trying to win the Selkie. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't realize that. My bad. <laughs> Alex, you've got another one of my underdogs too, that you, uh, I think is your best bet. So yeah. Insight, best insight bet. in the comments is, um, is taking the lead on this one. I think we should have him on and the, him or her on they know uh they know where we're going with this they have the insight yeah they have the insight that's uh that is my best bet of the night though i um i don't think the uh the wings should be laying this sort of price on the road considering the hockey they've been playing um i mean yeah the yotes are on a disgusting losing streak and it's not an attractive team to back but uh like these teams are pretty much dead even um, in their, uh, I mean, wow, that got steamed quite a bit when, since the show started. <laughs> well, I was, Alex, just to jump in here, I was, I was going to say to you, like, as I look at my, my plays for tonight, and it's Montreal, it's Arizona, spoiler alert, it's Chicago. I'm going like, am I just the biggest idiot ever? And I look at the prices that I bet. And the Coyotes were plus 125 yeah, they when were. I bet them. And my fair, my sort of like very bottom expectation price like that I might take Arizona is uh, plus 111. And so the fact that now it's mostly plus 110, plus 111, I at least get to go, okay, I'm not a total idiot. Now, Arizona might lose seven to nothing tonight. In fact, it's, you know, borderline probable at any, any time they actually, you know, hit the ice. But at least I know, okay, I'm on to something here when it comes to pricing. Yeah. So happy to have the plus 125. You know, I see there's a plus, plus one ten. You can yeah, lock it in. yeah. I, I mean, there's say, plus there's... one fifteen there, but like that's not really widely available. So I'm fine right. if you lock it in on the plus one ten for me. Like I don't mind that. Um, I'll still bet it there. Uh, okay. That's probably like the the end of my range, though. Yeah. Um, 
just considering, you know, where it was before. But yeah, the Wings, like, they're not playing good hockey. They have like a 45% expected goal share over the last month. Their goaltending isn't that great. Uh, I just think this is too much respect for them um, on the road against the uh, Coyotes team for, if you remember last week, we talked about this. This is, you know, there, this has actually no bearing on the handicap of the game and whatever, but like they've been really good against Eastern conference this year. And they've had a, it's a large sample considering they played more uh, East teams than they have West teams, but like they have done really well against the East. And I just think this is a little bit, too much disrespect and too much respect for the wings. So yeah, the coyotes are my best bet and my only side of the night. Yeah, and it and sets up great for me because if it wins, I win the plus one twenty five. If it loses, we all get to blame Alex. So Yeah, exactly. There you go. And insight. <laughs> and insight. <laughs> yeah, That's and right. insight. Yeah. And Jeff McBride reminding people if you are in Ontario or to shop around based on your state, province that you're in. But if you're in Ontario or Canada, there you can find plus one twenty one on Cool Bet, plus one eighteen on Botanos still. So run before those numbers are gone um and insight also bringing up they're playing against a team who's about to play its third game in four nights whose last game was played in colorado high altitude betting opportunity and coyotes are seven and eight at home right like it's not i was like gonna they're... say they're like 500 yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. not a disaster yeah. at home yeah that uh yeah. the arizona state arena is absolutely rocking in there <laughs> as as things in tempe tend to be so i think they probably have some fun after the game too yeah i can't yeah. <laughs> Todd, I'm looking at a game here where we've got a huge number being laid between two pretty crappy teams right now. One of them, as Alex kind of teased, uh, their coach could potentially jump the gun and get fired ahead of Bruce Boudreaux. And the other team, uh, their coach is taking away iPads on the bench because that's why they're (laughs) losing hockey games and not just because they're a bad team. Uh, Anaheim right now, they're three points ahead of Chicago in terms of the standings overall, meaning nothing other than the fact that they've got a few percentage points less of an opportunity to get that Connor Bedard pick. And uh, they are on a four game losing streak right now, whereas Philly, they're, I mean, seven and three in their last 10, but I don't think that that does justice to how good their team is in general. They did just get smoked by the Bruins yesterday. Right now, favored minus 192 best price against the Anaheim Ducks. Why? What are you looking at in this game? Why do you Why do you kind of feel like the number may be in the right spot here despite the Flyers coming off a back-to-back? Uh, yeah, I like the under of six in this game. Um, the goaltending matchup on paper, I think most people would look at it and probably not even know who either guy is. But honestly, I think it's a pretty good matchup. Uh, Samuel Erson, since he joined the Flyers full-time, uh, he hasn't lost a game yet. He has a 917 save percentage, which is well above league average of 900. Uh, he's playing really well. And then for the Ducks, it should be Anthony Stolarz, who honestly has had a pretty good season. Uh, his like surface-level stats, if you look, are not good. Um, but in terms of goals saved above expected, he's allowing 0.068 more than he should on a per-game basis. So basically, he's... Exactly, he's doing exactly what he should do based off the workload he's facing, which is a high volume workload where the goaltenders are asked a lot. So performing as expected is honestly like a difficult task. Um, John Gibson, in comparison, is allowing zero point four goals more than expected per start. Um, so Gibson's really struggling behind this Ducks blue line, whereas Stollers is kind of just hanging in there and uh, doing what he's supposed to. So I think the goaltending matchup is pretty decent. Um, the Ducks. Uh, both teams are in a back-to-back. Um, the Flyers are 24th in shots per game and 26th in goals per game. They're not like a high-octane offensive team that will take advantage of the Ducks' future defense. So I kind of see this game being like a 3-2 or 4-1 kind of game. 
uh, and I see value on under. I'll take the Ducks here. When did we get to a point where the Philadelphia Flyers are minus 200? They're playing well. They're playing well right now, to their credit. They're playing wonderful hockey right now. (laughs) I'm pretty sure uh, in his prime, Bobby Clark hasn't shown up and, you know, uh, centering a line with Eric Lindros or or vice versa. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the steam here with Philadelphia getting up over minus 200. That's another one that got steamed since we started the show. Yeah, I'm like, wait a second, what's happening? Because last night, you know, it opened, I think, 150 plus 155 for Anaheim. Now, listen, I love the idea, just as an aside, that we are treating hockey teams or hockey players now like we're treating three year olds in the back of a van by taking away their iPad when they're not behaving correctly. Um, I like that we're headed into a very sort of NBA type deal here where we've got guys in the broadcast booth coming over to coach, but we have to wait on that and we're getting iPads taken away. who knows what it, what's what the rest of the NHL is capable of when it comes to sort of these off the ice uh, type of things. But yeah, I just wanted to mention like that's a pretty big move on towards the Philadelphia Flyers team. That I mean, sure they might be playing a lot better now. And listen, I'm the, I'm the first guy who's willing to bet on a bad team. I'm going to be doing it a handful of times tonight. But you know, at a price, and this is not the price for. By the way, a team that lost six to nothing in Boston yesterday. Anthony yeah. Stolarz won me a lot of money when he was uh, starting for the San Diego Gulls back in the day. There's some good stories there, but we'll save those for another show. But you can always talk me into betting uh, betting on Stolarz, so I'm in. Uh, all right, another game, final one we'll look at here quickly is uh, the Sabres heading to the Chicago Blackhawks here tonight. Um, the Chicago team just is not good. Last in the NHL right now. They uh, minus 60 goal differential on the season. They did just get Patrick Kane back. So I do kind of have a question for you guys outside of the actual game itself, but taking on Buffalo right now, who is six points out of a playoff spot. They're five and five in their last 10, which kind of does justice to where they've been at this season. It's been fairly even up and down in terms of their success. And uh, they did just lose to Florida yesterday, four to one, but uh, Todd, what are you looking at in this Saber Chicago game? Well, it wouldn't be a Tuesday show if I didn't go head to head with Matt on at least one game. So, <laughs> where where you are always the favorite, by the did way. Did you see? And did I you see when always... Zach when Zach is like uh, that? This is another bad team. Like your ears perked up real fast, Matt. You're like, oh, I can bet on another bad team. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm I'm on the Sabers in regulation. I believe he can get minus 108 or something along those lines right now. Um, Chicago is just really, really bad. They're 32nd in expected goals generated uh, per 60 minutes this year. They're 32nd in actual goals generated per 60 minutes this year. They don't generate many opportunities at all, which I think will help Buffalo because the goaltending hasn't really been good lately. Um, Buffalo is the much better team at 5 is 5 The last time these two teams played, uh, the Sabres generated 31 more shots, 14 more chances, 8 more grade A looks. And that was while addressing a banged-up blue line featuring Kale Clegg, Lawrence Pilot, and Casey Fitzgerald. Excellent, Kale Clegg. None of those guys are playing tonight. Uh, the Sabres' blue line's healthy again. They have Owen Power back. They have Samuelson back. Um, I think the Sabres are going to control the run of play here. Um, while I wish it was Peter Morazic starting because he's just atrocious, uh, Stalock has let up three goals or more in four of the last five, and his uh, numbers seem to be trending downwards, which is honestly what you'd expect. Like He's not anything special. Um, so I don't think he's going to bail the Hawks out of this one. And I like the Sabres in regulation. All right, it's before funny, right? I lock that in, Matt, 
I yeah. would say. <laughs> Counterpoint. Uh, it's funny, right? We just talked about the Flyers playing a lot better, and they obviously got housed yesterday 6 nothing, and they had won three consecutive games before that. And you can't really blame them for getting housed by the Bruins because Bruins are a pretty good hockey team. I'm also not going to blame the Chicago Blackhawks for getting worked over by my Seattle Kraken and legendary head coach Dave Haxtell. But <laughs> the the Blackhawks had three straight wins before that. So as bad as the Blackhawks are, and listen, I'm obviously being facetious here. The Blackhawks are a terrible hockey team. They're at least capable of winning and have shown an ability to win in that they have won. The, they had won those three straight games. And, you know, thankfully they did win those three straight games because they obviously had no chance against the Kraken, as few teams do. Uh, honestly, what are we, what are we at right now? I don't know. I haven't seen the latest steam here, but like I saw plus 150 to me, that's a good enough, you know, chance to take a shot here. Yeah, here we are. Plus, yeah, plus 150 is pretty much kind of the average here. I mean, a little bit shorter than that. Um, so yeah, if you can plus, honestly, if you can get plus 140 is, you know, kind of a, uh, high point cutoff, if you will, for me there. Um, Todd makes all the right points, man. You're not going to get me to, you know, throw a bunch of metrics your way to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. I will say that when it comes to the money lines and Todd always being on the favorite in these situations when he and I go head to head, if, again, I don't know what the record is, but I feel like it's somewhere around 50-50, which means me and my plus 150 and plus 200 underdogs are profitable in those matchups. <laughs> Obviously, Todd's taking some of the juice away there when, when we're getting into a regulation situation. Um, as far as Patrick Kane is considered, you know, it's interesting trying to measure his, what he means to that team on a game-to-game -game basis from an implied win probability standpoint because, like, this is a guy who's had really good seasons really recently, so you would think that it would matter a ton, but he's sort of been in and out of the lineup over the last, what, you know, 20 games or so. But it's funny, like, whether it's him or Taves, you hear them sort of, kind of give hints and when it's those guys or those types of guys who've been on a team for 10 15 years you kind of have to warm the fan base up to a trade like you just kind of have to like be like yeah no it wouldn't be that bad or you know might be the best for both sides and you know these sorts of little things that kind of get like leaked out if you will mm -hmm. and i think that means both of them are gone <laughs> by the end of the season or by obviously the trade deadline uh, so, I, yeah, but when that happens, are they, is that going to be a massive adjustment for betters on or off the Blackhawks? I don't really think so because, you know, again, these guys aren't what they used to be. And in the case of Kane, when he's been out of the lineup, hasn't necessarily changed the market's perception of their win probability all that much, right? This, is, this isn't Nathan McKinnon or, you know, key defenseman or something along those lines. So uh, just watch out for any massive adjustment if those guys do get traded. I think for, and for everyone watching, that means Todd's on the Sabres uh, in regulation and uh, Matt's on the Blackhawks, which means Sabres in overtime or shootout is like the lock of the century. Yeah. So hop yeah. on that right yeah. now. Yeah, with, no, with well, the, with responsibly, the, but responsibly bet your life savings. <laughs> with the Blackhawks being up two to one through two periods, me feeling great about going to three on three or the shootout and then still losing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, there's, there's only one way this ends. Mm -hmm. All right, let's wrap up here with some player props uh, before we get to the most uh, anticipated part of the show, Toddy Props. Alex, I know you have a prop yourself, so what what are you looking at tonight? Yeah, Oilers cracking game. This is the simplest handicap as there is. Oilers, I think, are first or second in the league on the uh, power play. Cracking are last or second last on the penalty kill. It's been abysmal that's like one of the few things that is holding them back from maybe competing for like top spot in that division so far um so i think that uh i mean mcdavid's like 
heavily juiced, dry settles heavily juiced, but like Tyson Berry and, and Nugent Hopkins have both been uh, key contributors on that power play. I think you can get Barry at like plus 150 to get a power play point. Um, and uh, Nugent Hopkins is even money or plus 110, something around there. So I, I don't mind taking like maybe a half unit on either of them, or if you want to just go in on Barry, uh, that works too. But I think uh, maybe a half unit on, on both is, is good for me. All right, sounds good. We'll lock in half unit on both of those. And for anyone who's tracking along or following along, we are fo- tracking in $100 unit sizes there just for the people at home who may be listening to this one later. But uh, so we'll track both of those. Todd, let's hear it, man. All right. I've got qu- quite a few here, so I'll try and be <laughs> quick. Uh, Owen Tippett over two and a half, uh, minus 130. He leads the Flyers in shot attempts the last 10 games. Uh, he's been playing more at even strength. He got moved up to the top power play. Ducks are dead last in shot suppression at 5 5. Ducks are dead last in shot suppression on the PK. Ducks, uh, the last 10 games, have taken more penalties than anybody. Uh, should get lots of shooting opportunities. Um, Darnell Nurse, there's a line for him for once in the morning. Uh, Darnell Nurse, over 2.5, plus 100. Um, he's hitting pretty much every game. Uh, he has a strong history against Seattle. He's faced them four times uh, since uh, the calendar year of 2022 started. He's averaged seven and a half shot attempts in those games. Has hit in all four. Um, I like him at home. Uh, William Nylander over three and a half minus 114. He's hit nine of the last 10 home games where his volume is higher than on the road. Uh, Austin Matthews is back, which is actually a good thing because believe it or not, Nylander generates more shots per minute while playing with Matthews than any other forward on the Leafs. Um, so he's shooting a lot with Matthews. Uh, Florida is not a great team. They're in a road back to back. I think the Leafs should be able to get plenty of shots in this one. Uh, Seth Jones over two and a half minus one fifteen. He's another guy who's home dependent. His volume is higher on home ice than on the road. Um, the Sabers are bottom ten in terms of shots against per sixty. The last ten games, they're really good offensively, but they're not great defensively. So I think Jones can get some shots. Uh, Tage Thompson. Over three and a half, minus 128. Um, he's really cooled off in terms of shot generation compared to where he was earlier in the year. However, Chicago is bottom five in shots against per game uh, versus centers this year. And when Tage faced them earlier in the year, he had 14 attempts and eight shots on goal. I don't think he's going to do that again, but I mean, it's a really good matchup for him. And lastly here, um, Tyler Bertuzzi over two and a half, plus 128. He's not a great shot generator. Honestly, he's a matchup dependent guy. Um, but the Coyotes are dead last in shots against per game versus left wings. And Bertuzzi does have, have a strong history against them as well. Um, so I think at plus 128, you're getting real value there. And uh, yeah, that's all. All right, there you go. And if you missed any of those, any of the props that were given out or any of the bets from today, you can find them back on the uh, Edgework YouTube channel where we hope that you will subscribe to the channel. You can turn on notifications so you get notified every time we go live. You can also find us on the BetStamp app in the Find Better section as Edgework where you can see all the picks, what books we track them against, what numbers we track them as, and uh, what time of day that they were placed. You can follow along with all of our picks. You can also go and tail those picks yourself. You can be notified when those picks are placed just in case you happen to miss the show. And if you do happen to miss the show live, you can always listen to it back later on podcasts, on all podcasting platforms as edge work guys appreciate the insight today appreciate the time 
Hopefully we see a big Leafs win here tonight against the Panthers, and then all the I'm other. I'm on board underdogs. with that actually. <laughs> yeah, true. All so, the Panthers' losses. Yes, fair enough. Maybe we'll uh, we'll let this one go to OT, and the Panthers can pick up a point or something. <laughs> that that'll be that's what I'm hoping for. Keep the Habs yeah, away yeah. from that second uh, that other pick. No respect but, uh, on this show. <laughs> that would mean a couple extra shifts for Nylander to get shot. So I'd be fine with that. Exactly. There you go. Uh, but thank you to everyone in the chat who participated today to who tuned in good luck on your bets tonight alex matt todd thank you guys good luck on your bets and i'll see you guys again next week